Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Okay, it's only films to be bettered with The Resurrection. Hello and welcome to Films to be Buried with The Resurrection. My name is Brett Goldstein. I'm a comedian, an actor, a writer, a director, a government man, and I love film. As Toni Morrison famously once said, If there's a book that you want to read, but it hasn't been written, then you must write it. And if there's a film you want to see, but you haven't seen it, then you must track down the bastard and watch it. Yes, Tony, I love that kind of proactiveness. It's very inspiring. Every week, I invite a special guest over. I tell them they've died. Then I get them to discuss their life through the films that meant the most to them. But not this week! This week, I use my newly acquired shamanic powers to bring back a former guest from the dead and ask them 12 new questions. And this week, it's the return of the amazing, incredible Camille Uchan. Head over to the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein, where you get an extra 25 minutes of chat with Camille. You get more questions. You get a secret. You also get the whole thing uncut and as a video. All that and more over at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein. Your TV homework, as usual, get caught up on season two of Ted Lasso on the Apple TV Plus app. Then watch Soulmates on Amazon Prime. One will make you happy. The other will make you thinky. Thinky. Yes. This is episode 161. Camille Chan is a sketco, a podcaster, an award-winning writer, and an incredible actor. If you never heard her first episode on this podcast, go back and find it. It is truly one of the top five episodes. I was delighted to bring her back from the dead so we could check in on her severe death anxiety. We got to talk about her work. We talked about her life. And we even discussed her husband, James McNicholas, the amazing other guest I've had before twice, his book that he's written, The Champ and the Chump, which is incredible and what that book means to her. We checked with James. He was happy with us talking about him on this. He said yes. So when you hear that bit, don't worry. We checked it with him. He's all right with it. He's amazing like that. As always, Camille was the best and I think you will love this one. So that is it for now. I very much hope you enjoy episode 161 of Films to be Buried with. The Resurrection! Hello and welcome to Films to be Buried with The Resurrection. It is I, Brett Goldstein, and I am joined today by a sketco, a stand-up, a writer, a playwright, an award nominee, an award winner, the head of all of children's television, and the wife and 
of a incredible guest and her herself being one of the top five episodes of all time on this podcast. Please welcome back to the show to defend her title. It's the brilliant, <laughs> it's the wonderful, it's the amazing. Welcome back to the show. It's Camille Chan. <laughs> Lovely to be back. You're, uh, I feel like when I first did your pod, it was successful, but not the dizzy heights that it is today. Well, and I think uh, uh, most of that's down to you. I think most people would agree <laughs> that your episode is the favourite, certainly top five. And I've had a lot wow. of people genuinely contact me to say that your episode taught them to handle their death anxiety better, which only makes me think that they must have listened to you and gone, well, I'm not that bad. No, yeah, exactly. I, that, I mean, when you told me that, that someone had messaged you that, it baffled me because I, I, when I listened to it back, I thought, God, I'm banging on about it. I, mean, I know it's films to be buried with and you talk about death, but I really lent into death rather than film in that, in that recording. No, I love it. I love the death apps. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad it helped people. I think I think a lot of people have death anxiety, don't they? Yeah, and and I would imagine that this past year has either it made that worse or better for some people. Now, in your case, probably two years since we did the episode, a year and a half. Yeah. How is your? May I ask how your death anxiety is treating you these days? It it's up and down. Yeah. Uh, like all the Love Island relationships, up and down. Um, it's yeah obviously during the pandemic you're watching the news every day literally seeing a death toll and you're reading about death a lot the 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 threat of death is suddenly all around you especially in the early days of the pandemic when no one really oh in the good old days yeah oh in the good old days when no one really knew you know what was what we're far away from a vaccine all that bloody blah yeah it it got quite bad and I was working as well a bit. Obviously, all acting got cancelled. I was able to write from home, which was, I was very lucky. But I um, carried on doing a bit of um, support work and going there and working there and having to try and uh, explain what was, you know, going on when people were asking about the virus and why can't we go out and why can't we do this and, you know, what's going to happen and, and all these questions that, what did you used to say? I used to say, I used to basically say, no one knows for sure exactly what's going to happen. But I used to try and say that in the most sort of positive, upbeat way possible to try and not, you know, worry anybody. And um, actually, the adults that I work with all dealt with it really well. And I felt really lucky, actually, that I also did do um care work and I was able to go out to mm. work and see people and work with people I think I sort of I was doing that every week and it for me I felt like I was so lucky that I got to go out you know and work yeah. but yeah it was hard to talk about something that you are yourself sort of scared of and don't really understand um yeah. so it got bad but uh I feel like a lot of people talk to you about this on the pod I started therapy and um, it's helped a lot. Started therapy in January of this year. Congratulations. Thank you very much. And, um, and we, yeah, we've talked about death anxiety among lots of other things. And interestingly... Yes, please. She, I don't think I've told you this. She thinks a lot of my death anxiety is linked to the job that I do. And that feeling of every new project you start is going to come to an end 
and you don't know where your next project is necessarily going to come from Mm -hmm. and you're constantly doing things that they don't necessarily have a sort of long life longevity or long life yeah they're always ending they're always dying (laughs) yeah and you can literally die on stage well there you go yeah here's my question do you think your death anxiety uh comes from the work you do or do you think the work you do you were drawn to because of your death anxiety Mm, I'm not sure I feel like I have always had even before I started acting and writing I feel like as a child I always had an anxious brain and Mm. would get worried about you know the prospect of of death uh so I think it came before the job maybe it's maybe it's what drew me to it yeah maybe the job is like better the devil you know if that's the phrase that Kylie invented for a song yeah (laughs) what what uh Do you remember the first time you worried about death? Yeah, I think I was very young, like probably primary school age. Mm -hmm. And I think I'd seen, I went through a phase, I'd seen, I'd seen something on the news or a program about a brain tumour. And I think I sort of got fixated on this idea of you could just, you could just have that. Right. And that could kill, that could maybe kill you. Yeah. I started sort of, yeah, being really worried about it, talking to my mum about it. (laughs) Yeah, have I got a brain tumour? Have I got a brain tumour? That kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we can laugh about it now. Yeah. It's very sweet, a little three-year-old constantly asking if she's got a brain (laughs) tumour. Even even before that, I think I was aware of the concept of death in a scary way. Of My mum remembers when my sister was born. There's about five years between us. Mm-hmm. And I didn't deal very well with the fact that there was another child on the scene. And um, at five years old, I think I was actually watching telly or watching a film and my baby sister was crying and it was pissing me off. So I put her in the hallway, shut the door. <laughs> And my mum came in and I uh, was like, why have you put her in the hallway? And I was like, she was really annoying me. And then I followed it up by saying, um, if there was a fire in the house, would Yasmin burn and die? <laughs> <laughs> really love her. I love her now. Um, love spending time with her. Could this happen before this brain tumour gets me? <laughs> wow, well, wow, well, we were. So, yeah. You know, I don't feel so morbid about, you know, I don't get so maudlin when I talk about it now. I think I've sort of, I try and try and keep it light. Has the, um, has the therapy therapist, mm. uh, as they're known in the trade, the therapy therapist, yeah. is she, has she given you um, any kind of practical tool or something when you're mm. overwhelmed by death anxiety? And if so, could you save us all some therapy and tell us? There is something called uh, a thought record. Mm-hmm. And she sent me this um, this little, do you know what? I might have it here that I can quickly reference it. Here it is. Yeah, so the thought record. I, I absolutely love this. Okay. Um, it's brilliant. I don't know if this is like trademarked to her and I'm giving this away. I don't think so. I think it's kind of universal thing. Giving it away, but 
you know helping people for free and that's what we're about on Phil's to be buried exactly 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 especially the resurrection I've come back to life with all this wisdom exactly so you're in the situation you've got a hot thought that's what she calls it a hot thought that you're spiraling into that hot thought that's bringing you down you've got to write down exactly what situation you're in who's there what's happening when is it happening where are you then you've got to think about the mood that you're in, what you're what you're actually feeling and like describe that mood in detail. Like what what is it that you're literally feeling? And then you have to think about the automatic thoughts that come into your mind with that. So with me, it's like, oh, my God, everyone's going to die. Um, and then what I think about that, like I'm thinking that that's, uh, you know, I'm fearful I'm full of dread. I I think it's unfair. Why can't we all live forever? That kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> you write that down. Then you have to write down it's a tricky one with death because you <laughs> you have to write down evidence that supports that thought. So the idea is that you're having these mad thoughts that that probably you're having because you're anxious about something they might not come to light so by thinking about the evidence you're you're being like you're making yourself think well actually I don't have that much evidence that's supporting this anxious thought like why am I worried about it unfortunately with the death one you you, there's a lot of evidence everyone's gonna die Mm, you've got quite a bit of evidence but it's a thought associated to it, like, oh, that's necessary. I, I'm I'm going to be sad. Well, it's like, there's no evidence that you're sad when you die because you literally... No, yeah, no one's come back and gone, oh, no I'm one's come back. Sad. Yeah. Like, so so you're trying to make yourself remove remove from that, that being like such a negative thing. Like, there's no evidence that that's negative once that happens. So then you think about evidence that does not support this anxious, hot thought you're having. Yeah. And then you have to think about alternative thoughts. If you were, you know, talking to a mate, say, like, this is an alternative. This is what you can think instead. Give me some, give me some alts to uh, uh, why can't we all live to, forever? Alternative for me would be like, um, okay, well, friends have said this to me. They've been like, okay, if you live forever, but you see the world end, how awful would that be to actually be here when the world ends? Or <laughs> Yeah, if you live forever, wouldn't you get bored? Yeah, exactly. What you're going to do isn't the meaning of life that you know it's going to end and that's what makes it special. Like what is what is the point of anything if it's just never ending? Why does anything matter if it's not going to end? Isn't that what makes it so precious? They're the alternatives you could tell yourself. Well, tell that to the writers of Neighbours. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's one of the... Uh... That's one of the methods. And then after you've done through that whole process, you rate how you're feeling now. And yeah, hopefully you're feeling a bit better. (laughs) Your hot thoughts are very different to my hot thoughts. It's really fascinating. Oh, you can have different hot thoughts every day. You know, one of my hot thoughts is what I've actually written down on here was that I was waking up at 3am panicking about my puppy barking. That became a hot thought for me. Now, this is the other thing that's happened since you did this. Uh, yeah. You've had a baby. <laughs> I've, had a, you've had a, I've had a furry baby. You've had a furry baby. You've had a dog baby. I have. No disrespect. I think it is a dog, but it's a natural dog. You've had a dog baby. And I feel like it's a baby, yeah. But it is also a baby. That's a dog. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. Game changer. My life has completely changed. Life changing. Yeah. You've met her. You like her. I, she, I love her. 
I'm a big fan of that dog baby. Has she changed your life for the better? Yes. I feel like if we'd done this a couple of months ago, I would have said to anyone listening, never get a dog. Just don't do it. Even if, like me, you've wanted a dog your whole entire life, you've really thought it would make you happy, Mm -hmm. bring a real happiness to your life, and you've read all the books, you know, you think you'd be great at it, don't do it. Just don't. (laughs) (laughs) And what happened in the two months? Yeah, now I'm a bit more used to it. I'm still like, really think about it. Have Have a... you think you've thought about it, think about it some more. But maybe then do it. Remember yeah. that you might have a hot thought such as, what if the dog barks? Yeah, what if the dog doesn't stop barking? What if I can never leave my house again? What if I've oh, ruined my life? There's me. some of the hot thoughts. One other thing that we must talk about briefly, because I could talk to you forever, as you know, and probably when this podcast finishes, I will. The question <laughs> is this. The point is this. Uh, your husband, Beast... James McNicholas, Mm. when he was last on the show, was writing his book, The Champ and The Chump. Mm -hmm. He's now finished his book, The Mm. Champ and The Chump. And I read it last week. It is magnificent. It's It's a magnificent book. He's a brilliant writer. It's a really brilliant book. I'd recommend it to anyone. However, within it, he does talk about his illness, which he did talk about when he did The Resurrection. Yeah. And obviously, as a friend of his and yours, I knew about the illness. But I guess reading that book, you got a lot more detail on it and a lot more Mm. understanding of it. And it made me very sad. It was an awful thing that he has been experiencing. And also you've been experiencing it because you're married and you live with him and you've lived through a pandemic together with someone who has, I don't know what we call it. Is that a chronic illness? Is that what we call it? I think you'd call it, yeah, chronic. Yeah, something that's long lasting. And And I feel tremendous respect and empathy for both of you and I wondered how that has been because reading it as a friend there's even a bit in it where he says in the book friends of mine reading this might be shocked to discover the sort of depths of this and I thought mm. yeah you took I am and I'm sort mm. of it's so it's so uh difficult and so amazing what he's done and survived and done and both of you and I wondered for you as someone who is a carer literally in their life uh but then having this in your house Mm. has it been what's it been like Mm. I guess yeah I mean it has been a challenge there's no way around that it definitely has been and it's uh yeah been been testing at times but also it's made me really I think I guess you know to say oh I'm proud like it sounds like I'm a teacher or his mum no but but I feel proud yeah I do get that I felt proud reading that book it it, I feel immense pride that he has well first of all that he's written a whole bloody book I've got it here actually here you go there you go for the pages there it is look at that lovely Um, cover as well lovely cover lovely cover don't judge a book by it but it is a good one yeah, proud that he's written a book. And he wrote a lot of it here, actually, sat at this desk. And mm. when I'm reading it, it is weird thinking, because he, he is an amazing writer. Like, yeah. the book is very interesting and it made me laugh, made me cry. But oh, the way funny. he writes, I think he's a very beautiful, he's very, yeah. writes beautiful prose. And it is weird 
when I read it that I think, God, you are, you just you you were sitting here writing that when I was faffing about, you know, playing with the puppy or having a wee next door. Like, (laughs) (laughs) it's so weird that you were doing that here, and. And in terms of the, yeah, he has, if you haven't listened to his podcast, he has MDDS, Mal de Debarquement syndrome, which is basically when you, well, it can happen in different scenarios, but for James, he got on a boat in our honeymoon. And then when he got off the boat, he just forever (laughs) felt like he was still on a boat. Um, And it's a neurological condition. And I think in, in in the beginning, I, I did find it difficult, especially someone who has sort of death anxiety and some health anxiety to for for this thing to suddenly happen to him and for a while for it to be you know no one could really explain it and it was one of those things that was like friends and family members were like oh yeah that happens It's, it's, it's you get off a boat and sometimes you have this weird thing for a week and then it goes away and that's what I would try and say and I and always try and believe I had to make myself think oh mm. this is just going to go away in a few days or a week and then when it carried on and carried on and it yeah I found it sort of I sort of I don't I wouldn't say I, in, on the one hand yeah sometimes you panic and you're like what is this thing what's going to happen what's going on but then also once you actually are in a situation and you are literally just living in that situation you just get on with it and you just have to just carry on and deal with it and that's what we did I guess and he dealt with it brilliantly and I think in the beginning yeah he had a lot of fear around it and I think he felt a lot of guilt because we just got Mm. married we were just on our honeymoon and suddenly this this thing happened but I suppose in a way it's it's made us closer because you know we've we're still happily married and, and you know, we've had a brilliant time together, even though or we are having a brilliant time, even though he's got this thing he's dealing with and, yeah. You're going to make me cry and we're only, we're only <laughs> 20 minutes in. Uh, uh, Connie, I appreciate you so much and thank you for sharing that. For the record, if you're thinking of reading this book and I've made it sound like it's really heavy and sad oh it's funny it's funny i was laughing out loud people kept looking over why is he laughing so much i was like because this book is funny it's It's very funny it's very 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 funny um it's brilliant and yeah he he uh he is an amazing man amazing guy i love him what an amazing guy i mean is he gonna mind us saying he's an amazing guy we're both saying it he's an amazing guy i love him bloody love him I love him. <laughs> All right, why don't you marry him? Bloody hell. Yeah, wish I could, but he's taken. <laughs> Camille Uchan, you have been brought back to life. Resurrected is the exact word. What point of your life would you like to come back to? Firstly, can I just say... Anything? Oh, sorry. Yeah. No, no, sorry, no. carry on. Carry on, do your bit. Do your bit. Would you, would you change anything or leave everything as it was? Camille Uchan. Okay. Firstly, absolutely, yeah. obviously delighted that I've been brought back to life. Yes, you see? Relieved. I got you. Relieved. Please don't get me back on the pod again where it's like, <laughs> oh, actually, you're dying yeah. again. Just let's let's keep it here. I'm resurrected. 
So for the for the people like yourself who are worried that dying will make you sad, were you sad when you were dead? Uh, do you know? No, I carried on carried on with my Just life, with life in this in, in in this new sort of dead realm. Well, there you go. Put that in your alternative thoughts. There you go. There you go. Where would I come back to? I would come back to. Oh, he's got, already got a lot of airtime on this, but basically, I would come back to what's leap year day? Twenty ninth of Feb. Twenty eighth of Feb. Twenty ninth. Yeah. Twenty ninth of Feb. When twenty ninth. Yeah. So late leap year. I think it must be twenty seventeen. Was that a leap year day? Twenty seven. Twenty. Oh, 2016. 2016. Yeah, okay, okay. 29th of February, 2016. I would come back to that day uh, because at the start of that year, so January 2016, I became boyfriend and girlfriend with with James. And um, is that what you still say? Became boyfriend and girlfriend? Anyway. Can do. Uh, Can do. And um, it was after I had a new... Actually, you were there. I had a New Year's Eve party at the house yeah. I was then living in, Mile End. I remember it very well. And I think it maybe was maybe like New Year's Day or the day after that, we, me and James properly became a couple. I remember you consummated in front of us all on New Year's Day. We had a ceremony <laughs> around you. And- <laughs> <laughs> Everyone cheered. We all carried torches. and Yeah, and, it was lovely. Yeah, it was really lovely. And you became boyfriend and girlfriend, just as the ceremony dictates. We can- Exactly. Everyone was naked. Um, so that was January 2016. And then, so it must have been a couple months later, 29th of Feb 2016, I got into my head that I was going to propose to him on that day because there's that whole tradition of like, oh, on a leap year day, the woman can propose. Of course, you can propose whenever you like, but that's a sort of tradition thing. But if you don't do it on leap year, it doesn't count. That's the apparently so. Yeah, if you, if you did it on not a leap year, you're not actually engaged. So yeah, I was gonna do it on that day, um, and I talked myself out of it because we'd only been going out two months, and I was like, Camille, that's mental. But then a month after that, I told James that I was gonna do that, and he was like, Oh, I would have said yes. And so then we just got engaged anyway. So uh... so. I kind of wish I had just done it because I do think he would have said yes. And even though it's crazy after being together two months, you know, I think the outcome would have still been the same. So I should have just... So the message here is, if you want to propose to someone, just do it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So that's what I would go back to. This is one of the most inspirational episodes we've ever done. (laughs) Seize the day, do what you want. That's the if, message. Gonna, if you want to propose to someone, just, just do fucking it. do it. Just fucking do it. I knew we were going to get married before we even started going out. I yeah. just knew it. And I'd never wanted to get married before that. So, yeah, I'd go back to that day and I'd, I don't know, I'd think of some elaborate way of doing it that was, you know, a bit fun. What? Got it in your head yet? Uh, no, let's, let's, uh, let me, let's decide now. What would I do? I would, oh, I'd do... A treasure hunt round London. That'd be fun, wouldn't it? <laughs> oh, I'd get all of you guys, I'd get friends to be yeah. at different points in London and you give him the next clue. But are we like doing characters? Can I have a top hat and a moustache? Yeah, yeah. You're in a top hat and tails and yeah. you're 
I'm like, uh, I'm like Jack the Ripper. He comes finds me in East, East, East London. London. I go, yeah. Oh, there's a lovely girl down there. I'm looking for, and I point him yeah. in the direction of. Perfect. You, you. I mean, you were just doing Roy Kent then. <laughs> Roy Kent is Jack the Ripper. You're Roy Kent in top and tails. <laughs> Posh Roy Kent. Yeah. Oh, I'm not um, Jack the Ripper. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so there we go. Friends giving him a clue, and we end up in. Where do we end up? Let's say where's somewhere in London that we. Uh, let's say we end up. Oh, let's just let's just end up in Soho, outside Soho Theatre. Predictable. We've both done gigs there. No, it's a lovely place to end up. There we go. We're at Soho Theatre. And I get down on one knee. On stage. He thinks he's going into a show, right? He goes into a show. Yes, uh, All lovely. of us are on stage. All of us are on stage. We all it's sing a song. It's the seance you've dreamed of. We move, we part like the sea, and in the middle yeah. of it is you, and you go down on one knee. Yeah. And I go, will you marry me? He says yes. And then we all get hammered. I love it. Okay, that's a really good that's a really good place to come back to. So yeah, that's what I do. I mean, I guess at some point we've got to talk about films, I suppose. We better had. So uh you've been brought back to life and the living are very excited to see you, especially us lot who've helped you with this treasure hunt. And I'm just happy to wear top hat and tails, thank you for that. Uh, <laughs> but the living they want to know about your life with mm. these choices with film. Mm. Interesting. Absolutely nothing wrong with this concept. Yeah, weird the that they first... want to know that, but First, it's, it's a flawless format. The first question they want to know, what was the last film you saw, Con? The last film I saw was Kung Fu Panda. Ah, what a movie. <laughs> Brilliant movie. Um, watched it at home. I, the reason I watched it was because I'm writing on a kid's show at the moment. I write on a few different kids TV shows. And this is a new one. I don't think I'm allowed to say. I've signed an NDA. But it's a new it's a new kids show in development. And one of the references for the main character was Kung Fu Panda. And I hadn't seen it, so I thought I better watch it. I mean, can I tell... I mean, it's not even... I don't get NDAs. I get it that it's like, oh, we don't want people to steal the idea. But part of me, whenever I get an NDA through for anything, I read it and I'm like, no one gives a shit that you're doing this. I often think no one gives a shit and also... What are you going to do? Yeah. Like, what do you mean you'll sue me for three million? I don't have three million. So what are you going to do? If I went out on the street and said, listen, guess what kids TV show I'm developing? And I just said the <laughs> name of it. They'd be like, all right, never heard of it. Crack on. I don't give a shit. <laughs> um, do you make people sign an NDA for Ted Lasso? No. I make people sign an NDA before I engage in any conversation with them. Yeah, you do actually, yeah. But that's okay. like... That's that's just your own personal preference because you're very, that's very just, private. You know, <laughs> if we're going to the cinema, if we're just hanging out, hey, how you doing? Sign this and then sign we can NDA. chat. What's your name? Sign my NDA. Um, so anyway, Kung Fu Panda, uh, it was brilliant. I actually really enjoyed it. So I went into it because I sort of was like, oh, I've got to watch this kind of for work. So I'm not really that bothered. But then I really loved it. Hmm. Poe loves Kung Fu. For anyone that doesn't know it, Poe loves Kung Fu. He wants to be a dragon warrior. His dad wants him to work in the noodle shop. But he fo- it's a follow your dream story. Yeah. And it's like, even if you're not necessarily good at something, you can work at it and be the best. Have you seen uh, Soul? The Pixar film Soul. Yes, I have, and I loved it. I love it, and I, I think about it, it every single day. Yeah, and Soul I think, was What's incredible. An extraordinary film that the message was like all all films. 
the message is follow your dream and achieve your dream. Soul is follow your dream, achieve your dream, realize that that's not enough. You need to look at some fucking leaves. (laughs) Incredible. As someone with death anxiety, that film, I I did really enjoy it. But the bit that I find uncomfortable watching is when they're on the conveyor belt. Yeah. At the end end end. That bit I can't quite handle. Yeah. But loved it. Um, So, yeah, Kung Fu Panda. I would recommend it. By the way, as secretive as as open as you are, you and uh, friend of the podcast, Rose Johnson, are quite secretive about your career in which you seem to run and win awards for all of t- children's <laughs> TVB. What do you children's mean with secretive? As in, you don't talk... If it, like, the amount of awards you've won and the fact that you write four of the biggest children's TV shows ever and it's not all you talk about is weird to me. I guess it's because... You almost never talk about it. And then I, I find out, oh, you've just won another Oscar for... Oh, a children's I guess... TV. I mean, I think we sort of fell into it. Maybe that's why we feel like... We still write, uh, you know, we still write adult stuff or we're still sort of performers of adult stuff. So I get sometimes a bit nervous to promote the kids' telly stuff too much mm. because I pr- uh, I sort of, if I tweet an Instagram about our birthday, I'm in a sketch group called Birthday Girls, if I'm Amazing. promoting that, the content of that is often quite rude and sweary. So I feel a bit of a responsibility not to have loads of kids following me on social media. Mm. That's part of it. But I'm very proud of it. Very proud of it. Love writing for kids telly. Okay. All right, I'll start talking about it more if you want me Please to. Please <laughs> talk about it. Who do you think should play you in the film of your life? I struggled with this a bit and I started yep. Googling... Half Guyanese actors, because I'm half Guyanese. I was thinking, yeah. who could I get? The only person I could really find was Letitia Wright, who is Guyanese, but she looks nothing like me. I love her. Um, she don't look nothing like you. I know she is incredible. But I've said, okay, who I've said, who I've gone for. This yeah. isn't because I think I look like her. This is like the Hollywood version. If it's like someone who's like a hundred times fitter than me, and she's playing like the Hollywood version of me. <laughs> Okay. I'm really excited about this answer. Go on. Okay, when I say it, I don't want you to be like, oh, you think you look like her? Mila Kunis. Oh. That's who I've gone with. Go on, that's, go on, that's perfectly reasonable. Because I feel like she does comedy and drama, my dream career, yep. you know, having your finger in both pies. Uh, yep. She's got, yeah, she's got comedy chops, but I think she's a good actor. Uh, brilliant in Black Swan. So I think, yeah, if I could have anyone, why not her? I think that's a really good answer. And you are equally as as <laughs> uh, as fit as Mila as Mila <sighs> Don't you ever talk about yourself as less than... Yeah, but you know, everyone's got the Hollywood version of themselves, you know. Mm. You're thinking, hmm, no, nah, it's just me, actually. I'd play me, me, <laughs> me, me. <laughs> no, I'm thinking the, the Hollywood version of me... Yeah. Is a, is a Spanish guy yeah. in a show called Sense8 that I have that people say I look like and then and I always like, yeah, yeah, what is it? Just a guy with big eyebrows. And then I looked him up and I was like, Oh yeah. He really is. He's a fear. He's a fear. He's he's me but fit. I'll Google him. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Stadsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy winning comedy series. 
you'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Jean Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Anyway. What is the most romantic film you've ever seen? The most romantic film I've ever seen is The Last Black Man in San Francisco. I love that film. It's not what a lovely. Answer. It's not about a sexual romance or a sort of you know a, a, no. you know it's not a love affair between between two people. But I find it very romantic to watch I, that his his love for his childhood home and his desire it is like it is it's like it's a it's a real passion and desire he has to be in that home and also the love he has for his city for san francisco which is changing yeah. becoming gentrified and it's not necessarily a happy sort of romance but I do think it's very romantic. And as a film, it looks beautiful. And the soundtrack is beautiful, which I think really adds to the romance of it. The music by uh, Emile Masseri. I listened to I listen to that soundtrack quite a lot. It's quite melancholy, but... This is a fantastic answer. Oh, thank you. It's such a brilliant answer. It's a very romantic film and it looks incredible and it's all about longing. It is. I would recommend everyone watch that film and it, and even if you aren't sure, just watch the first five minutes. I think the first five minutes visually are like... It's beautiful. Yeah. And even though it doesn't necessarily have a, a sort of a happy ending, I feel like, you know, with some amazing romances romeo and juliet for example like not the happiest ending they don't have a happy ending but the romance of it was still so beautiful and intense well there we go but the families do stop fighting don't they so in a way it is a really yeah. happy ending and well done them well done them for both dying. <laughs> what's the um best film you ever saw that you never want to see again a star is born <laughs> Why are you laughing at that? I don't know. It just surprised me. <laughs> you always surprise me. I don't... Like, I, I, yeah, go on. Because it was so... Yeah, I'm just fascinated why you never want to see it again, but you loved it. Okay. I... It had so much hype before I went to see it. Right. That I was like, okay, it's had so much hype. Am I going to love it? I'd never seen the other versions. Um, yeah. I've only seen the, the most recent one, the Lady Gaga one. And I did love it. My one of my dads loves country music and plays the guitar. I used to used to I, I had a phase where I loved Trisha Yearwood when I was younger. I really like country music. And um so I loved the music in it and I loved their relationship in it and I, I just loved the whole, I loved the film, but it made me cry so, so much. I found it so sad mm. and painful to watch 
that I, I, I never want to watch it again. That is fair. I thought about it loads afterwards and it just made me feel so sad. I can appreciate that I loved it, but yeah, I never need to see it yeah. again. Okay. I can, I can get that. Very good answer. Thank you. What's the best action film you've ever seen, Camille Chan? Okay, so I was going to go in with the Kill Bills, especially Kill Bill number one. I love Kill Bill. Absolutely love it. But I felt like maybe that was a bit trad. So I've actually gone for... (laughs) What? No one said it. No one said the Kill Bills. Oh, really? Maybe I should stop it there. No, no. I want to hear your thoughts. Okay, what I went for was... Since you're not going trad. I I went for Hannah. Oh, very old. Very old, very old. Yeah. Um, I think Saoirse Ronan is amazing. And there's a bit in that film, which isn't the most like hard, sort of like fast paced action bit of it. But I think about it loads, that scene where she's in the CIA, CIA place and she's in the room and Kate Blanchett baddie. She wants to see Kate Blanchett the baddie, but they send in a dummy Kate Blanchett as a decoy. And then she's hugging her and then she breaks her neck. I hate that bit. I hate that. I hate it. Neck stuff makes me oh, feel weird. Neck, next is it. But uh, I just thought that was a, I, I think that's quite a, yeah, I find that an interesting action thriller. You ever seen the film Frozen? It's not the Disney one. Mm. It's the one where people are stuck up a ski lift for a weekend. Oh my God. No, I haven't. There's a scene in that that has haunted me forever, and I probably I probably also think about this every day. Yeah, as much as I think about all the things I think about every day. Where one of the, it's one of the worst things I've ever seen on film, and it's like your neck fear. It's made me scared of. Are you going to say it now, or do, should I watch it? Do you want me to say it? Yeah, oh, you definitely shouldn't watch it. Say it. Say it. <laughs> well, they're like they've been left up this ski lift, and they're miles up in the air. Already, that terrible. I don't like. I'm yeah. not not a fan of that. And the things shut down for the weekend so they're stuck up there and they're freezing to death and one of the guys are like well maybe i could jump maybe i could just jump down and i'll go get help but they're very high up and he's like what else can we do and he's i'm wearing ski boots oh god i feel sick tell you and he jumps and he lands and you like the camera's like on his legs and then all his bones shoot up through his I mean, it's so horrible. <laughs> I think about it every single day. That's horrible. And it scares me. I would rather break my neck than, than <sighs> have my leg, my leg bones shoot up through my thighs. How? How have they filmed that? I mean... It's horrible. But that's what I think about the scene in Hannah as well. As an actor, I don't know mm. if I could be the dummy decoy with, with the person pretending to break my neck. Because I'd be like... What if you actually, by accident, you get too into it and you twist a bit too hard? It's making me feel funny. Like, no. (laughs) Move on. Uh, Okay. Probably put a trigger warning on all this chat. (laughs) Uh, What's the... um, Of all the films, if you had to, Camille, which film do you think you could have made and why? Happy Feet. Happy Feet. (laughs) You've got... I love that. Go on. (laughs) Happy you could have made feet. an incredible animated film yep. about penguins who yep. dance. Because okay, I can't draw really very well. So I'm I'm when, when you ask me this question, I'm basically imagining myself as like the overseer of the project. I'm like the director yeah. of the project. Yeah. So I'm hiring in the animators. Fine. Of 
I connect with that film because, just like Mumble, I've got a terrible singing voice. D- uh, agree to disagree. Hard, hard agree to disagree. Brett, my Best singing, singing my heard. singing makes you cry with laughter because it's so it bad. Makes me cry <laughs> because I'm so moved. <laughs> um, yeah, like Mumble, can't sing, but I like to think of myself as a bit of a dancer, just like Mumble. Um, I just think it's it's so brilliant. It's got incredible music. It's got a lovely message, like the socially conscious message of don't overfish. Stop overfishing, guys. Humans, don't ruin the natural habitat. Like, I feel like if I made a film, I would want to have some kind of message or like something that people are talking about and th- making them think about. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like the idea of the first film I make being animated because I think... It, it takes away the ego of the actor being seen on screen. I think it'd be quite fun working with actors with just their voices. I watched the back, I watched the behind the scenes of Moana where they're all doing the, you know, singing the songs and Lin-Manuel's like, do it a bit like this, do it a bit like that. I could do that. <laughs> just say it, maybe, maybe think about this and try it again. And I just think it'd be quite fun directing a film that's um yeah just actors voices and then getting to work with animators who i mean it means i'm not giving any work to the makeup and the costume departments sorry about that but i think animation is so like i sort of i know i should have picked something that i feel like i could do because of my skills but i think uh if, if you know if it's a dream world where i can do anything i think animated films are so collaborative and seems so fun to make, and of recent years have been some of my favourite films. Con, you are you never fail to surprise me. That's an excellent answer. Thank you. Also, do you know that film's directed by the Mad Max director? Happy Feet. The same man who made Happy Feet made Mad Max Fury Road and Mad Max. And right. Mad Max Two. Well, there we go. I'm starting with Happy Feet. I'm moving on to Mad Max. Oh yeah, that's your next film that you make. Yeah, exactly. I love that, that yeah. he's done Happy Feet and then done Mad Max. Ah, that's, he's amazing. That's brilliant. Film you pretended to like to impress people. Mm. What's a film you pretended to like to impress people, Camille Chen? Basic Instinct. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not so much that I pretend <laughs> to like it. Mm. This is going to shock you. It's that I pretend to have seen it. I have never seen Basic Instinct. I know. Wow. I know. It, uh, I, it, and, and to the point where, I mean, I don't even... So I watched that documentary, um, Don't Fuck With Cats, about the killer. Right. Have you seen it? I've not seen it, no. Oh. But I know what it is. Yeah, you're, against, you're against documentaries, Netflix. aren't you? <laughs> I'm not against documentaries. I'm not a, a huge fan of... You're uh, just not a mad, true, a mad doc fan, yeah. Uh, only in the, only in time. I, yeah, I haven't got a lot of time. Of course. These things take a lot of time. You're already I'll watching watch every films. single film in the world. I've got to watch all the films in the world. Difficult to whack in a 10-part true crimer. Yeah, well... I'm sure it's excellent. This documentary, Don't Fuck With Cats, is about a killer called Luke Magnotta. And it transpires... This is a huge spoiler, so turn, turn away now if you don't want to hear this, but it transpires that he um, is obsessed with the film Basic Instinct... And right. there are things that happen in the documentary, in, in the true life story, yeah. that they start to realise it's been inspired by 
basic instinct. Oh, shit. To the point where he goes to a lawyer who basically looks exactly like Michael Douglas. Is it Michael Douglas is in Basic Instinct? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You're doing very well. Okay, thank you. Um, And I remember watching that with James. I need to check with James if I've told him that I've not seen Basic Instinct because when when we were watching the documentary and stuff's happening, James is like, whoa, that's mental. That's just like in Basic Instinct. And I'm like, yeah, oh, my God, that is so mad. Oh yeah, he looks like yeah. Oh, and that's when she does the. She's got the cigarette in the. Oh, that is mad. And I, I've not seen it, so I. Yeah. I, yeah. And I feel like it, it's it's bad not to have seen that. Well, you've taken that question, made it similar to the next the next one, which is what is the film mm. you've never seen that you think it's mad you've never seen it. So I realised that yeah, that could be Basic Instinct, but. Another film that I've never seen that I do think is absolutely insane that I've not seen is Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. That is mad. Mm-hmm. What is the film you love that you don't expect anyone else to like? <laughs> Patrick. Oh, that... Oh, con. Okay, let me explain. I've chosen Patrick. It's a okay, film... you're going to have to explain what Patrick is. I actually do love it. It's a film Same. that... My best friend, BT Edmondson, is in. She's the main part. And it's about, she inherits a pug, a dog. And then it's a sort of love story. And it's, um, you know, she's, she's she, the pug helps her overcome a period in her life. And it has a happy ending. And then the pug's with her and she meets the guy. And I do love it. I think BT would say herself that maybe, you know, maybe critically... So maybe it's not the best film in the world, but <laughs> I'm such a bitch for picking this. I'm going to tell her she's going to, I think she'll laugh. I hope she's going to laugh, but I yeah. genuinely do love it because partly because BT's in it. And I think she is amazing. And she's I remember brilliant. going to the premiere of it and we went and I remember, you know, she was all dressed up and she's having her picture taken and we went to watch it and it was a screening where loads of dogs were allowed to come and watch it. And of course, I love that, love dogs. And she's brilliant in it. And I just remember feeling so like, this is so cool. My friend is the main part in a film. Like, and I love it. And I stand by it. I would watch that film again. I would watch that over A Star Is Born any day. <laughs> Yeah, it's a great film. That's a, that's that's you, absolutely lovely. You've said that in a way. In a way. What is the film you would show a lover as a test to see if you should be together? In the Heights. Ah, oh, yes. Good morning, Gustavi. <laughs> I love that. I love that film. With all my heart. Yeah, I loved it. I know, I, I feel like I've not read the reviews, but I've been told it had mixed reviews. Mi- um, mixed to good, Mi- I'd say to... Mixed to mainly good. Them. Okay, good. I'm glad yeah. about that. I thought it was brilliant. Brilliant. I, it's the first film I saw in the cinema uh, since the pandemic. Um, so oh, I hadn't nice. been to the cinema in ages and I went to see that. And so I think it, I'll always remember it for that as well. That it was like, oh, wow, back in the cinema... And I love, I love it. I, and I'm not even a crazy fan of like musical theatre or musical films necessarily. But I don't, I think if I took someone to see that, a potential lover, 
and they're not yeah. enjoying that, I'd be like, what? Do you not enjoy life? Yeah, yeah. I completely like, agree. I can't get on board with you if you don't enjoy that film. If you don't enjoy In the Heights, you're not good at sex. <laughs> it is a sexy film, actually, for a family film. You can put that on the poster. Brett Goldstein, the films we've with, mm-hmm. says, if you do not like In the Heights, you are not good at sex. I'll agree with you. Yeah. Okay. What is the film that made you the most uncomfortable? Or was it when I took you to In the Heights and I turned to you and said, if you like this film, you're not good at sex? <laughs> um... Okay, I've gone for The Octopus Teacher. Have you seen it? You have seen it. Thumbs up. A perfect answer. Okay, if you've not seen it, uh, it follows a filmmaker, a man who goes to the same bit of sea every day near Cape Town, mm-hmm. goes goes diving, and he basically he forms a relationship with a, an octopus. Falls in love with a little octopus. Yeah. I loved it. Absolutely loved yep. it. And, you know, as a whole, it doesn't make me uncomfortable, but I just remember there being a moment in it where I thought to myself, oh, my God, am I about to watch a man have sex with an octopus? And 100%. That is, and and that, that's wrong. Please tell me that's not going to... I really felt like that's where it was going. It isn't where it's going. It's actually a beautiful comment on the relationship between animals and humans and yeah. life, the fragility of life. Like, it, it's, it's amazing. But there were parts of it that made me feel uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, I kept checking the rating and the rating. I think it's a you, that film. And I kept thinking, how is I Fucked an Octopus a you? <laughs> <laughs> it does <laughs> feel like it's a really he's gonna... beautiful film. But yeah, it's a romantic drama about a man and an octopus and it's building towards them. And the way he, the way he talks about it is like, yeah, we, we were fucking. Like, yeah, yeah, we're fucking. What's wrong with that? Yeah, when, and fucking. when she mates, I'm thinking, you are jealous of that other octopus. Yeah. And when he, yeah, and then they have a cuddle. The thing is also, there's bits missing because it's an edit. You know, it's edited. It was like a year's worth of footage. Yeah, I like, want to see you, the unseen you, bits. Have you cut out the, all, the fuck, all the times you were fucking the yeah. octopus? But but it's very moving, and mm. but you're right. There is an element of I don't know if we should be watching you fucking octopus, which I guess is why that those bits have been edited out. Exactly, yeah. And you know he doesn't <laughs> want everyone to know that that's what he yeah. was doing. Like every he says, there are some days he went diving, he didn't see her. Come on, mate, mm. you saw her. <laughs> we know that you saw her. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it is brilliant. It's, it's brilliant. If uncomfortable at times. No, and to be fair, I don't know how octopuses consent, but the octopus always did seem pleased to see him. Oh, yeah, she was putting her tentacles out, wasn't she? <laughs> yeah, she, she, they did, it did seem like a uh, consensual, uh, you know, relationship in which she was always pleased to see him, he was pleased to see her, you know. Good luck to them. Whatever they got up to, good luck to him. Yeah. It's a, it's a free country. <laughs> If you could show a child one film, what would it be? Beethoven, the first one of the series. Ah, magnifique. Oh, just such a good film. I remember watching that as a kid with my family. Just such a good film. And it teaches kids a lot. Don't always trust men in positions of power. In this case, the veterinarian. Mm, Don't trust that guy. Don't trust him. Be careful. 
Having big dogs around the house, they can cause a bit of chaos. Exactly. Think about getting a dog before you get it. <laughs> um, but the family's all coming together in the end, you know, fighting against the evil vet. And, you know, I think actually doing this, I've I've yeah. realised so many of my films do have animals in, which I didn't intend for that to be the case until I finished answering them and realised. You're obsessed with animals. I'm bloody obsessed. I think I'm I am. Obsessed. Uh, it's just happened that way. I don't know how, yeah, that's the theme of the pod, I suppose. Beethoven does have the uh, 80s, 80s slash 90s Hollywood template of... Mm. To be a man, the father of the family has to punch someone. And then yes. the wife goes, I've never been more attracted to you. It does have that. It does. It definitely does have that. It definitely uh, does have that to it. He punches the vet, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. And then she goes, Phew. Oh, he wow. Really hurt my hand. Yeah. Oh, you're so manly, finally. Yeah. yeah it does finally, have that. Finally, I can respect you because yeah. you punched a man. Thank you. And before that, they only respected the dog, Beethoven. Yeah. So. The dog was ruling the house until he punched someone. And then, then Beethoven goes, like, fair enough, you're the king. But I would say that, and, you know, any of that kind of ilk of film, any of that, Free Willy, Andre, Babe, yeah, something babe. with an animal in it. Hey, guess who made Babe? Who? The man who made Happy Feet <gasps> and Mad Max Fury Road. Let's call him your favourite filmmaker. I think he's my favourite director. Yeah. Wow, he made Babe. He made Babe. Babe is, is a top tenner, probably, if you think about it. Definitely. I'm finding that hard to get my head around that he's gone from those to Mad Max. Great. Oh, masterpieces. Yeah. Camille Chan, you've been absolutely magnificent again. Top fiver. Can you have both episodes in the top five? You could certainly think about it. Now, here's the thing. I brought you back to life because mm. I like you. And you know what? Having listened to everything you've said... I'm going to let you live <gasps> for a while. What? Oh, until I naturally, my life naturally comes to an end. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see if I come up with a trilogy. Okay. We'll yeah. see. Purgatory. You should do purgatory. Yeah. In the meantime. <laughs> Just a thought. <laughs> in the meantime, um, when you, you still have to write a will because, you know, oh. you might die. I might come, come looking for you at any time. Just so you know, you're no, not entirely safe. In your will, would you like to leave one DVD for the people you love? And what would it be? After lots of regrets for going with what I went with in the previous pod, mm -hmm. I think I went with Free Willy in the previous pod, I think. I take back all my regrets and I'm going to stick with it. Free Willy. You put, so you, you, you got buried with Free Willy, you've come back, you've picked Free Willy out of your own coffin and you've gone to the lawyer, put that in my will. You know what? Free Willy. I want people to think I've fucked animals and it's very important <laughs> that that is their lasting memory, thematically and actually. So here's some, here's a DVD for them, yeah? Yeah, why not? Okay. Camille, you've been, oh, so wonderful. Ah, <laughs> oh, haven't you? Hasn't it? Have I? I hope so. Yeah. Is there anything you'd like to tell people to look out for, to watch, to listen to? I think you've got a show coming up. Oh, yes. I don't know when this pod is going out. When do you think this pod might go out? A couple of weeks. Could it go out before the 26th of August? <laughs> we are doing, uh, me and friend of the pod, Rose Johnson, are doing some live shows. Very exciting. Performed live for the first time in 18 months last week. 
doing it again so in a couple excited. of weeks. 26th and 28th of August at Above the Stag Theatre. Um, we're doing an hour together of sketches and characters. So look out for that. Uh, I've written my first play, which is going to be on in a theatre <sighs> next year called Reading Rep. They're launching oh, their, they're launching their theatre. They were obviously meant to launch during the pandemic and luckily they're still able to, you know, go ahead and do their launch uh, towards the end of this year. And yep, so my play should be going on there next year. It's called Three Hens in a Boat. And that will be on Reading Rep. I think that's all to plug for now. Yeah, I'm I'm on Twitter. I'm on Insta. I think I'm just Camille Yuchan on Twitter and Instagram. I've got a podcast, Birthday Girls House Party. It's fucking great. Please listen to that. Brett's done it before. She's an award-winning children's TV writer. She doesn't like to talk about it. (laughs) She can do it all, this one. Camille, thank you for doing the show again. Liv. Thank you for having me again. Thank you for bringing me back to life. Relieved. May you live forever. Thank you and good day to you. Good day. Yay. So that was episode 161. Head over to patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein for the extra 25 minutes of chat secrets and video with Camille. Go to Apple Podcasts. Give us a five star rating. But don't write about the show. Oh, no, I don't want to hear about the show. Write about the film that means the most to you and why it means the most to you. That's the shit I want to read. That's the shit Maureen wants to read. We love all that. Thank you very much. Thank you all for listening to the show. Thanks to Camille for doing it. Thanks to Scroobius Pip and the Distraction Pieces Network. Thanks to Buddy Peace for producing it. Thanks to Acast for hosting it. Thanks to Adam Richardson for the graphics and Lisa Lytham for the photography. Come and join me next week. Oh, I've got a really good guest next week. Can you believe it? Of course you can. Every week they're all good. I'm not going to tell you who though. It's a surprise. I hope you love it. I hope everyone is well. Please take care of yourselves. So that is it for now. In the meantime, have a lovely week and please be excellent to each other. Sometimes I dream of becoming an actor. Have you ever dreamt of becoming an actor? Maureen, what is it you think I'd do for a living? Never mind. Sounds like you need the New York Film Academy. NIFA offers workshops, BFA and MFA degrees and summer camps in filmmaking, acting, journalism and more online and on campuses across the globe. To make films alongside industry professionals, explore more at nyfa.edu. Thanks, Brett. Thank you, Maureen. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.